This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. Father, I thank you. God, that we can stand here in this brick and mortar building. In this place that, God, we don't belong. This earth. Father, simply redeemed and saved by grace. God, that we can join all the earth, but not only all the earth, all the heavens, Father. And we can join in and sing your praises. I thank you for that opportunity, God, that privilege. Lord, how awesome that is that little old me can join and I can join the angels that are circling the throne singing, holy, 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 that I join that choir singing of your greatness. Father, I thank you. God, I pray that as we transition into your word, you open our hearts, minds, and ears, God, that you would speak to us. God, that we would hear what you would say this morning. Father, I pray I simply be an open vessel, Lord, allowing your word to go forth. Anoint us all here today to receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Would you give the Lord a hand as you're seated? Praise the Lord. Amen, amen. You may be seated. I want to begin this series of conversations today that we're going to walk through over the next few weeks, simply entitled Missing Christmas. And it should be very apparent to you that I'm a Christmas junkie at this point, and the last thing that I want to do is miss Christmas. Amen? I sure hope that you feel the same way. I love the family time together. I love the joy of the Christmas music. I'm not a huge fan of the crazy hustle and bustle in the stores. That just gets on my nerves. But I love more than anything at all to look around and see how crazy that our society goes. Bless the Lord. How crazy our society goes over what's been commercialized, but what we know to be the Savior of the world. If it hadn't never been for Jesus, there would never be these, all these Christmas special shopping sales, and there would never be all the fancy decorations, and there would never, never be all. If it had never been for Jesus Christ and God sending the, the greatest gift we could ever receive, Walmart would sure enough be missing out right now. Amen? And so I love because, you know, they're obviously just tapping in on it. And so many of of the businesses that we uh, maybe associate with or that we see would completely tell you that it has nothing to do with the spirituality of Christmas whatsoever. But there's no way at all that they can deny it. 
if they had never been for Jesus, they would be nothing right now. And so the last thing that I want to do is to miss Christmas. And so I want us to look over the next few weeks of, of across, across a couple different people throughout the Christmas story that I'm sure you know so well uh, that either missed out on some opportunities or came very close to missing out on opportunities because of different things in life. And so I want to start this morning. I want to just read you out of the, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. I want to read the first seven verses. Luke said, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out that from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, every one to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was, while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. No room for them in the inn. There was a story told about a group of people from a small town that got together in a little resort room, a place they got together. They're talking about their town, the town struggling, the town financially was just so, so burdened. And, and they didn't know what they were going to do. It's a, a town hall type meeting. And this strange man comes in, completely not from the area. He, he really had no business being there, to be honest with you. And they're in the middle of this town hall meeting. And, and they're given all these troubles and all these struggles that they're dealing with. And this strange man tries to speak up and was interrupted. So when he was interrupted, he said, okay. And he stood up. He turned around and he walked out. Later, a man asked Hey, did, did the gentleman help you that was at the meeting? No, he didn't help us. He was just a stranger there trying to be nosy. They said, sir, that was Mr. John D. Rockefeller. His yacht was out in the bay. You missed it. What was supposed to be something so good for you, you missed. And they missed it because of their own distraction, because of their own selfish motives, them trying to put somebody out. They missed what could have been this huge financial blessing that Mr. Rockefeller was trying to bless this town with. And so I thought about the missed opportunity. So what's taken place is the, the census has been decreed and the, everybody has to come from all over and they have to go to their, their specified place, their home. Very similar to you and I, if you're registered to vote, you have a voting location. You have to go to that voting location. It's not really optional unless you early vote nowadays. But you have a place that you're, you're registered, a place you have to go. And this is no different. And Joseph, who was uh, set to be married to Mary, uh, who now has the the Son of God in her womb under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Joseph is from the lineage of David, so he has to go to Bethlehem. So they set out on this journey, and you really, uh, the, the interesting part of this is history really kind of tells us, if you dig down deep, that more than likely they're not married. They're to a point that they're engaged, and an engagement here in this setting is much, much, much more than an engagement in our setting. 
And engagement here for us today is no more than simply go buy a little fancy diamond ring and put it on the finger of, of your fancy bride and, and set a date and say, hey, we're engaged. It was much more than that then. It was a ceremony. It was a ceremony that had to take place, and the, the guy, the male, had to work. He had to earn the trust. He had to earn the right to take a, a daughter of a family as a wife. And so he's gone through the process and has been approved that he's going to marry Mary. And here you know the story. The angel of the Lord has appeared and, and told Mary she's going to give birth to a son. And she says, but I don't understand. I'm a virgin. He says, well, the, the Holy Spirit has put this inside of you. God has birthed this baby in you, and you're going to give birth. And so then Joseph has to go through the ridicule, and he has to go through the struggle of, of wondering really what's all taking place. And the angel appears, and so Joseph takes her as his still-to-be wife. And I can't imagine, you know, uh, you know how it probably must have been the situation, specifically in this time when tradition was completely broken in this process. Tradition was completely broken for Jesus Christ to come into the world. Do you see this? They were supposed to be engaged. He was supposed to go through the process. He had earned the right to marry her. They were supposed to be married. They were supposed to consummate their marriage. Then they were supposed to have a child. The tradition, the process has completely been broken. You with me? We can all learn a little bit of something from that. Sometimes the process has to be broken. So the process has been broken. They're on their way, and they start this journey. And, and Mary is very, very much so with child to the point that we know when they make it to Bethlehem, she gives birth to Jesus. And so they show up, and all these people are there. And I, I can't really picture the masses of people, but I know that uh, you know already that I don't like these large numbers of people, unless I'm at Disney World. Otherwise, I don't want to deal with, with that large number of people. You have some kind of special event. You can tell riding down the interstate, if you start looking through hotels and, and you say, well, hey, we need to stop here. All of us, maybe the hotels are completely full in that area. If you start digging, there's something going on there that you don't have a place to stay because everybody that's going there has already booked the rooms, right? It's aggravating, but it's the way that it works. Anytime something major takes place, you know that when, when the travel season comes here, uh, just past Thanksgiving and Christmas, the, the hotels are going to be booked, they're going to be full because families traveling all over and people are going to be staying in places. They're, they're full. And so here Mary and Joseph show up and they've made this long journey and I really can't imagine putting my wife when she was eight, nine months pregnant on the back of, of a donkey and trying to, to take her on this journey, but apparently there was really no option but they've traveled this, this journey and they make it there and there's nowhere for them to stay. The New King James says that there was no room for them in the inn. The New Living Translation says there was no lodging available to them. We don't know whether the inn was an actual hotel-like place that had multiple guest rooms and, and people could stay or maybe it was just a, a one-room place that they had planned to stay at and when they got there, somebody had given it away. Either way, whoever it was that we're going to term the innkeeper had not uh, maybe followed through or whatever because of this person, Mary and Joseph are now out on their own, right? So he, uh, we're going to, unfortunately, we're going to pick on him a little bit today. But there was no room for them in the end. And so somewhere, shape, or form, some innkeeper kept them out of the house. And so I want to give you three 
three, I guess, characteristics. Maybe more things he missed. Things he was not when Jesus showed up. First of all, all these people are here showing up, and it probably was custom that Joseph had already made arrangements to stay wherever they were going. Maybe he didn't, but I got enough faith in Joseph, who's now going to be the father to the earth's son, Jesus, that he was probably prepared enough. He had sent ahead, and he had got on, um, you know, he had got on Hotels.com, and he had booked the perfect hotel suite for them to stay at, whatever it may have been. I believe that he had, he had made arrangements, but maybe he didn't regardless. They make it there, and, and here they walk up, and Joseph says, Sir, I need a place to stay. And one of two things is going to happen. He's either going to say, well, first of all, you didn't call ahead. Or he's going to say, or he's going to say I, I'm already booked up. I don't have anywhere. Or you were late. And because you won't hear when you were supposed to be here, your room is gone. And so here Joseph and, and Mary now have to go out back to what would be termed as the stable, but not necessarily maybe a stable if you really kind of study. It was more so a cave cut out in the back of the place of lodging. It was a cave cut out in the rock where the animals would be stored, or it was more just like a storage place. They almost are out in the storage shed. And we dress it up, and we make it real pretty by throwing a donkey and a cow and, and, and these animals, a sheep laying there in the manger scene. But it's more so of the fact that it was like they were thrown out back in the shed. And the, the cute animals in our, our nativity story and our nativity scene make it look cute and it makes it look nice. And, and McCaden will say, there's a donkey, Daddy. There's the sheep, Daddy. There's baby Jesus. But it wasn't this pretty cutesy story. It wasn't this pretty cutesy situation. We don't even know that an animal was in sight. We, have no, we know that the baby was laid into a manger, into the feed trough, but it could have been a feed trough that was used 15 years beforehand to feed the donkeys. We don't know, according to this story, that there were animals there, that they were necessarily in a stable. We know that, that traditionally there would have been somewhere where the animals would have been kept. There would have been some kind of storage area, and that's the place that the innkeeper said, here, you can have this. And it would be real easy for us today to start pointing fingers and blaming him and trash-talking him, but we really can't do that. First of all, Scripture doesn't give us the leeway to do that. Scripture doesn't tell us that this man missed it, that he was off doing his own thing, but I just kind of thought about the innkeeper a little bit, and I thought about you and I. See, a lot of the innkeeper's decision was based on ignorance. You and I don't have that opportunity. Because here in the midst of all these people, everybody's showing up. It, whether you, you picture this, that it's a one-bedroom one guest place that somebody can stay, or whether it's a, a six-room, 150-room, whatever it is, there's people everywhere. And the innkeeper has one purpose in mind. His purpose is to fill his inn, right? The innkeeper's purpose, the innkeeper's goal is, I need 100% occupancy if I can get it. This is Bethlehem. This is the place of, of bread. I don't know how much traffic they got through. I don't know that the, the innkeeper had a high percentage of occupancy all the time. But here, Caesar has, has given us this census. He's required that everybody go to where they come from. So this weekend, it's going to be good. Y'all quiet. It's going to be good. So the innkeeper, it would only make sense to me as, as a somewhat business-minded person that if he's got an opportunity to pack out his house, why in the world would he not pack out his house? You agree? Amen. It just makes sense. 
And so here's the hustle and the bustle, the chaos, the very first hustle and bustle of the Christmas season taking place when all these people are trying to show up to get registered like they're supposed to for the census. Nothing like going to Kohl's now uh, on a Black Friday, but they're showing up for, for the census, and it's the real hustle and bustle of Christmas. And so they're here, and, and people are everywhere, and the, the man's got people here. I can imagine a line backed up out the door where he's trying to get people checked into his guest rooms. And, and finally he says, all right, I'm full. I'm done. And here walks up Mary. I don't know about you, and maybe if you're not a father, you don't know. But if you've had a, a child and you don't have some sympathy for a lady that is with child, something's wrong with you. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you. There's something that changes. There's not just something. There's everything that changes within them. And it creates this complete uncomfortableness for them. And they have all these different struggles. And we stay the same and trying to figure out all these changes that have taken place. And it gets to a point you can't help but feel sorry for them. Right, men? I wouldn't want to do it, right? And so just the fact of Mary walking up, and we would say she's about to pop. Mary walking up to the innkeeper and, and needing a place to say, I think I would have to have some sympathy just because of the condition she's in. And if you're Joseph, you're begging, dude, you don't understand what we've been through to even get here. I've had to stop for chocolate and pickles and ice cream. <laughs> and we finally made it. Where's your bathroom at? We, we've made it. You have no bed that my bride-to-be can look at her. At any point, she could deliver this baby. You have nowhere. And Luke said... She had that baby and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and put him in the manger because there was no room in the inn. See, you and I know the story. The innkeeper was not aware. That's the first thing that the innkeeper was not. He was not aware. You and I know that the baby that was within Mary was going to be the savior of the world. Right? That poor innkeeper, I, I, we can't trash talk him because he had no idea. Maybe Mary and Joseph might have told him, but if you'd have told me that, I'd have said, you're crazy. You're not getting a room. It's not fair to say that he knew and he put him out on, on the back just because that, that don't work that way. He wasn't aware. He didn't know. And he was caught up in the hustle and the bustle, and he had to have been trying to make the, the very best dollar that he could make, whatever it was. And you and I are in the same boat. I do hope that you're doing the very best you can to, to make the best living you can make, to do the best you can, to, to be the best you can be. Caught up in, in the hustle and bustle, all these people everywhere, all these options, all these opportunities. Why in the world? Why, why am I going to kick somebody out to put you in there? Are you crazy? I don't even know that you got any money. He wasn't aware that, that standing right in front of him, standing there, is the truth, is the Son of God. He had no idea that he had an opportunity to allow the Son of God into his house. You and I don't have that excuse. 
We know the story. You and I know that the Son of God was sent to come and and seek and save that which was lost and restore and redeem. And if you've been restored, you've been saved, you know that there was a price that was paid for that to happen. You and I are aware. But even being aware, how often do we say, I'm sorry, you ain't coming in my house. Ephesians 6.18 says, pray at all times in the spirit with all supplications to keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all saints. Paul said, keep alert. I don't know of a more distracting time of the year than this time. I looked at the schedule, the calendar that Micah and I share last night, and it was unreal the junk that's on that calendar. Some of it, very good stuff. But it's a lot of stuff. And it's almost to the point that if you're anything like we are, this afternoon maybe we'll run to the grocery store, we'll get some groceries to go through the week for lunch, and we're going to start it, and we're going to live tonight to figure out what it is that we have to do tomorrow. And then when we get through tomorrow, we're going to be on the way home from wherever it is we had to go to. And we're going to say, what in the world we got to do tomorrow night? And then we're going to keep on going, and we're going we're to figure this out. It's the most distracting time of the year. Do you agree? And if we're not intentional about being aware of where Jesus is at in our life and where Jesus wants to be in the middle of this season, we will miss Christmas. If we're not careful and we're not alert, our distractions will make us miss it. We've got to be intentional. Peter said, prepare your mind, be sober-minded. We talked about a couple weeks ago on a Wednesday evening that that word sober, and and sure, we associate it with alcoholism and and the drunkenness, but it, it just simply means to be present. If you're drunk, you're not present in the current situation. Peter said, prepare your mind and be in the moment. Pay attention. Be where you are. Realize where it is that God has placed you today. Realize where it is he wants to take you and what steps he wants you to follow, what it is he's ordered for you through the day today. If we're not careful, we get so so clouded and so messed up that we're, we're confused and we're distracted and we simply miss it. You don't believe me? Ask Noah when he was building that big old boat. They said, hey, it's going to rain. He said, said, it's going to rain. He said, I'm building this boat because it's going to rain so much that the earth's going to flood, and you're all going to die if you don't get on my boat. Yeah, you're crazy, Noah. But how many of us, maybe not us, because we're here at the Sapona Road this morning, but How many do you know that we look at them and say, listen, I know a God that can save your soul. A God that loves you, that's given his son for you, that wants to bring you to himself. You you need to be restored. You need to be redeemed. And to look at you and say, nah, it ain't happened yet. Or maybe not Noah. Look at Sodom and Gomorrah. And God said, I'm going to destroy 
Sodom and Gomorrah, and he told Abraham, and Abraham told his son-in-laws, and they just completely ignored it. What a missed opportunity. Or look at the, the story that Jesus told of the Good Samaritan and, and the persons over in the ditch and, uh, and, and the, the Levite, the priest, all these people passed that should have cared and they didn't. And here the Samaritan that wasn't supposed to care stopped and sacrificed. We, we talked about that before. He sacrificed his time, his money. He sacrificed himself. He messed up his own schedule. Look at the reward he received for this. Jesus himself said, now which one of these looks like a neighbor to you? The missed opportunity was to the Levite and the priest, the ones that should have made the difference. They missed it. They were distracted. They were on their own. They were on their own way. Look at the two thieves hanging on the cross beside Jesus. One says, remember me. The other says, hey, if you're the son of God, why don't you get us down from here? When his last breath took place, I'd imagine he realized he missed an opportunity. Two different people, exact same situation. But this poor innkeeper wasn't aware. He didn't know. He didn't know who was standing in front of him. But he also could have been accommodating. And that's your second word. He was not accommodating. He could have been willing, even though he didn't know, to say, you know what? I got a young buck over here that it wouldn't hurt him at all to sleep outside on the ground. Let me give you his room. Let, let me help you out. Or it could have been that he said, you know, where did the innkeeper sleep that night? You ever thought about that? Where did the innkeeper sleep? He did not do anything that we know of other than put him out back in the shed and give him a feed trough to lay the baby. He did nothing to accommodate the Son of God. He wasn't aware it was the Son of God, okay? He did nothing to accommodate this young, young teenage girl that is about to have a baby. He was not accommodating. And I thought about you and I, and maybe it's more me than you, I don't know. We'll talk about me so we don't have to talk about you. What's going on? With all this stuff going on in my life, then my, my plate's full. I'm sure your plate's full. Sometimes it's so full that I don't want to eat the leftovers. Our plates are full. We live a life that's busy, that's full. We have family. We have a work, a work family. We have this church family. You've got your kids that, that probably are pulling from you 500 different directions. You've got grandkids who you are pulling at 500 different directions. Well, whatever it is, your plate's full. 
And I'm not a huge fan of greens. I like meat and potatoes. I don't like to push my stuff to the side to make room for the greens. I sure ain't going to let my food touch. But what I have to remember is the nutrients that I need, the vitamins that I need are in the greens. And if I don't make space on my busy plate, my full plate, if I don't make space, I don't get the fulfillment that I'm supposed to have. And if we don't start accommodating and allowing Jesus to be a big part of our plate, we're not living to the fullest that we could live. We're not fulfilling the potential that he's designed us to fulfill. Even to the point where did the innkeeper lay his head that night? If it means that I have to literally sacrifice myself, isn't that what we were told to do anyway? Offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him? If it means I'm the one that's completely uncomfortable, I'm the one completely put out. Well, it should be that way anyway, but there's probably some things within our lives that we could push and shove off the plate because they probably ain't even no good anyway. This innkeeper did not accommodate whatsoever. The last thing that should be different between you and I is we better accomplish it. This story ends for this innkeeper. The inn, the, the place. We know Jesus was born in Bethlehem. We don't have a clue by Scripture anything past verse 7. What did the man miss? He's unaware. He's obviously unaccommodating. But what did he miss accomplishing? We know the prophecy told us that Jesus was going to come and he was not going to come into any situation that would be normal, that would be good. He was going to come into a lowly situation. But see, you and I, in this Christmas season, if we're not completely intentional and aware and we're not accommodating in our schedule to push some things to the side, we will accomplish nothing other than the chaos of Christmas. We will accomplish nothing but the busyness of Christmas if we're not intentional. And I'm not going to miss Christmas. I don't know about you. I love it. But how many of us you know, it only comes one time a year. I'm just a young buck. This is only my 28th one, 29th one. I don't know how you really look at it. But even in that, I don't know how many more I have. Just say I have another 
29 that I'm halfway done with my Christmases. That's a really sad thought. And if I miss this one, I wasted it. How many opportunities are we going to miss? How many John Rockefellers are sitting waiting? This isn't only about us pouring out. This is about us receiving. God wants to pour blessings on us. We've talked about it. That's the whole reason we're doing this so offering. It's, it's not even as much about pouring out as it's about letting God pour in. When we sacrifice and we give something that's close to our heart and, and we sacrifice a little something, that there's something big that God can do because a part of us is now gone and we've opened ourselves up. It's not all about giving. Sure, if we're not giving Christ in Christmas, we're missing it as Christians, but that's not what I'm talking about. What are we missing out on because God wants to pour into us? Every one of you, I, I would be willing to almost say, can tell me what hospital you were born in. You can probably tell me what hospital your kids were born in. Right? Don't you think we might would have an idea what the name of the place was? Had the innkeeper said, you know what? I really don't want to, but I'm going to let you have my bed tonight. There would have been some significance, I believe. There's none. But we can't blame it on him. He didn't know. He didn't know. Would you stand with me? You and I know the truth. And though this poor guy that I have picked on this morning really did nothing wrong, to my knowledge. This story takes the course it takes because of ignorance. He didn't realize that the one that would save his children and his grandchildren and his grandchildren's children and generations for the rest of eternity, he had no idea he had an opportunity to give him a place to come into the world. But you and I do. You and I have an opportunity to give Jesus a place to come into not only our lives, but to everybody else's life around us. We have an opportunity to push things to the side and, and make some room or, or whatever it may be. Or maybe we don't get rid of things in our schedule, but maybe we, maybe we become more intentional to put Jesus in the things that are in the schedule. Maybe we're more intentional whether we are at a Christmas party or whether we're with a crazy group of our family, whatever it is. Maybe we're more intentional to, to let a little more Jesus shine in those times. Maybe it's when we're really, really, really aggravated and we're tired of standing in line for whatever it is we're trying to buy and the, the little lady in front of us is, is taking her time. and she, Maybe in that time, in that busyness, that craziness, we find an opportunity to show Jesus. 
to let him come into the house, the end representative of our lives. Not just our, our physical life, not just our personal life, but everything that we do, everything that's connected to us. Until we're aware of who and where he is, we can't do that. And until we're intentional about making accommodations, meaning sacrificing ourselves, if you go stay at somebody's house, if they're accommodating you, Sometimes they don't necessarily, they're not all excited about it, but they do it. They, they're accommodating. They have you some sheets on the bed. Maybe they have you some, some fresh linens in the, the closet, whatever it is. They've accommodated you. Every hotel website you go look at, you see the accommodations. For Jesus to come into our lives, into our situations, we have to be prepared and we have to invite. Preparing who we are. Making accommodations for him. He wants to change us. He wants to rock our world. He wants to take us through this Christmas season and it be the best one you've ever had. But until we make accommodations for that to happen, it's not going to happen. And then the real goal Matthew recorded Jesus saying, given the, the greatest commission for us to go and make disciples. This time of year, people are looking for something. And all the craziness, all the hustle, all the gifts that are bought, the trillions of dollars that are spent to buy a gift to give somebody else just so that we kind of sort of maybe can satisfy them and, and make them like it. It ain't the gift that they want. We think that it is. They think that it is. Stuff don't do anything. It's the life of Jesus. I don't want to miss Christmas. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I love you. I thank you, God. God, I pray, Lord, that as we've taken some actions maybe that this innkeeper failed to do, God, not because he was a bad dude, but because he simply wasn't aware. God, as we've taken these to heart this morning, God, I pray that, Lord, we would do a self-evaluation and a self-examination of ourself. God, that these next four weeks that we walk through this season, that we celebrate, that, that the rest of the world and, and society, our culture celebrates you and the birth of, of Jesus. God, I pray that you open our hearts and our minds to see something so much more. That we be made aware. God, I pray that you touch our hearts. Lord, maybe we are standing here this morning and we realize that our plate's very full. And that not only have we not been aware of who you are and where you are, we've not been looking for you in every situation and every circumstance, but we've not made room for you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would touch our hearts. Humble us. Move in us. 
Church, I want to ask you, if you're willing to make a declaration with me this morning as we enter into this series of conversations, if you're willing to say from day one that you're not willing to miss Christmas, I want to ask, would you come and join me around these altars for just a couple minutes and let's have a corporate prayer together. We're in agreement. We don't want to miss Christmas. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus has gone into the city. He's gone into the house of Mary and Martha. And Martha is preparing. She's serving. And Mary's found herself at Jesus' feet. And Martha's so frustrated and so aggravated. She said, Jesus, why don't you make her help me? And Luke actually used the word distraction in one of the translations to describe Martha's condition. She was so distracted not by a bad thing. She was distracted by the act of serving Jesus that she missed simply sitting at his feet. And he said, Mary has found the good place. It's not always bad that causes us to miss what God has for us. Sometimes it's the good, the good intentions. We've got to be aware. Father, I pray, Lord, that we're here standing together, God, bound together, committing ourselves to you, Father, that we will not miss Christmas this year. God, not that we won't miss the, the corporate, the hustle, and the bustle, God, but we will not miss the heart of Christmas. God, we will not miss you during this Christmas season, during this time, Father. Lord, we're standing here bound together, unified as one family, agreeing, God, that we're going to walk out of here intentional. We're going to walk out of here aware of who you are and look into people's eyes and see the hurt, see the struggle, God, see the joy in them, Father, and recognize you. God, we're going to walk out and recognize you in all of creation. God, we're going to be aware of every situation. Lord, allow us to put on our, our God glasses to see through the lenses that you see, that we would see people that simply need to, to hear a kind word, that simply need to see a kind gesture. Father, that we would be aware of the blessings you're trying to pour out on us. God, it's not always about us giving, Father, but it is about us receiving blessings from you. God, as we accept this heart to <coughs> give the joy, Father, to live out and, and go and make disciples, God, the reward is so, so great. God, your blessings you pour on out on us is beyond measure, Father. God, I pray that you give us the wisdom, the discernment, God, the boldness and the self-control to make accommodations for you. God, to make accommodations for you in our situations, in our life, God. Lord, in our families, in our workplaces. God, everywhere that we go, Lord, that we make an accommodation to allow you to come in and you to make an impact on whatever it is we're doing. God, and we do those two things, God, that we could accomplish the goal of seeing people come to know you in a new way. To see people understand the love and the light of who you are, Jesus. God, that they, they, they would see who you are through us. God, that's our goal to accomplish, to let your light shine. God, that we wouldn't be like a city on a hill that couldn't be hid. Father, our light would shine, our beacon would shine. Lord, everywhere we go, the love of Jesus would shine through us. 
that we would accomplish the mission of the gospel. God, I pray that you keep us. God, I keep us focused, keep us grounded. I pray that you move in us, Lord. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. I praise your name.